the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I do, therefore I am. Or, I am, therefore I do. We're going to explore this dynamic of our life in Christ next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. When it comes to a right standing with God, we are to be righteous before his eyes. But it's a righteousness you and I simply don't have. But it is righteousness that God graciously provides in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner continues our journey through Romans. We're in chapter 4 today, looking at verses 1 through 12. And a great example of all of this and how God initiates salvation. The example and illustration could be found in the life of Abraham. Join us for an encouraging look at Romans chapter 4. Here's Pastor Gary with today's Abounding Grace. We come here today to hear no theological lecture. We come here not just to fill up our Sunday afternoon. We come here to take coal off of the altar. That's what the living gospel is. We allow this living gospel to grow cold at times because of our ingratitude, our laziness, and our pride, rather than embracing its mighty, transforming power. The gospel states that those who come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith are born of the Spirit, born of the water of true cleansing wrought in us by the Holy Spirit of God. The church ever has need to hold fast to this gospel alone. If this world is going amok, it is because the church is not holding fast to the gospel. And the world will never rise above the influence of the church in that place where she lives. Never, never in a million years. We know the terror of God, says Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we persuade men. He also says a little further down in the same passage that we are constrained by his mercy to do so. So we've got this double dynamic to hold fast to the gospel ourselves and to cling to it. And on the one hand, God's terror. On the other hand, God's mercy and his love. To sinners. We have all these reasons to hold fast to the gospel and to hold fast, dear brothers and sisters, we must, because there is coming a day of reckoning. A very horrible hour is fast approaching for many who do not know God and who do not obey his gospel. The day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes from heaven with flaming fly, fire taking vengeance on those who do not know him and obey not 
his gospel. And in that hour, which every one of us will live through, standing before God on your own, not with my help, nor will you be able to help me. There is only one whose righteousness will avail you in that hour. There is only one mediator of the covenant of grace who must come to you and speak on your behalf. There is only one whose righteousness will stand before the gaze of the holy God and meet his approval. And that is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ himself. But sadly, there have always been those who want to substitute for something else. For the Jews, as we see here in verses 9 and 10, it was circumcision. Even though Paul had just said, hey, remember what Abraham did? Abraham believed God. And that's how he was reckoned righteous. Not because of what he did. Not because he left his homeland and went wandering through the wilderness. Not because he offered his son Isaac or was willing to on Mount Moriah. No, he believed God's promise. He saw the day of Christ ahead and he embraced it and he fled to God for refuge. Paul said that's the same righteousness, the same blessedness that David described in Psalm 32. Godly man that he was in himself, David recognized, I am a filthy sinner. And the whole episode with Bathsheba and Uriah brought it out to him with great clarity again. So he had to flee right back to God, back to his promise of righteousness, his free imputation of Christ's righteousness to him and also to us. That means not by our works, but by his works credited to us, given to us as a gift. That we certainly do not deserve. Our sins laid upon his back on the tree. Him suffering the wrath and the curse of God in our place. David said that is all our blessedness before God. And we ought to sing and rejoice. The Jews, they missed all of that. God sent to them the patriarchs, they had Abraham, they had Moses, they had the sacrifices, they had the prophets, and still, for the majority of them, it was circumcision. But there was definitely a remnant of them who maintained its pure biblical faith, the old religion, but they were not the majority. We could well place here what Jeremiah said about them. As they were going into captivity, the temple, the temple, the temple, we've got the temple. Therefore, we're secure. Most of them said, we have circumcision and that will secure us. One of the rabbis even said, no circumcised Jew will ever go to hell. It is a talisman and it will preserve us from the wrath and curse of God. So Paul picks this up and deals with it and he burns it to the ground like an old condemned house. And he says, now was this blessedness of free forgiveness of sins and imputation only for circumcised people? 
Is this only for the Jews? No, it's also clearly for the Gentiles. Let us think of Abraham again. When was he circumcised? Are you ready? This is one of the more profound arguments. When was Abraham circumcised? Was he circumcised before he believed or after he believed? He was circumcised long after he believed the promise of God. Actually, 14 years afterward. Therefore, being righteous before God is not tied to circumcision. And it is not limited to Abraham's biological descendants. It is for all like Abraham who trust in the promise of God. And therefore, Jews... Your delusions about circumcision giving something unique to you, securing God's promises for you, no matter what, is nothing but a dream. Satan dreamed that up in his lying mind. And guilty and fearful as you are, because you are estranged from God, you really believe it. Isn't that why Stephen was martyred? Stephen was preaching to the Jewish leaders soon after Pentecost. And he just simply goes back through all of Jewish history. God sent them this person to tell them the truth. And then he sent them the prophets. He sent them Moses. God did all of these things over and over again to lead them to the Messiah. And in every single case, what did they do? We're not going, we're going to trust Circumcision. We're going to trust in the temple. Until when the Messiah came, he told a parable in Matthew 21, and the Jews were hot about it. Boy, how the modern church little appreciates this on a variety of fronts, but the Jews sure did. Jesus looked at the Jewish leaders as representatives of the Jewish people, and he said, but came unto his own, and he was received, and they received him not. And then he said, Do you know what's going to happen to you, you hardened and stiff-necked people, because you have been for a millennia and a half rejecting my word? And you saw me, and you said, Here is the heir, let's kill him, let's cast him out of the vineyard, and seize the inheritance, and it will be ours. And Jesus said, Therefore, the kingdom of God is taken away from you, the Jewish people. And it is given to a nation now, an international nation, Jew and Gentile, together in one body under Christ the head. So Paul says, in a variety of ways to the Jews, oh, don't trust your circumcision. Now, why circumcision then at all? Well, verses 11 and 12 tell us beautifully why God gave Abraham circumcision. And there is so much in this, beloved, that is instructive for us to appreciate our Savior. Paul said he received the sign of circumcision. Circumcision was a sign in that it pointed to a spiritual promise that God made to Abraham. God, through the sign of circumcision, imprinted the promise of righteousness on Abraham's heart. And God said, Abraham, by cutting away your foreskin, it is a sign of cutting away the filth of the flesh. 
This is to confirm the righteousness, Abraham, you already received by faith. It doesn't make you righteous. It is a sign of righteousness you have already embraced and believed. In and of itself, circumcision has no power. Its whole virtue is tied to faith in the promise of God. God testifies through circumcision that he will deal with our corruption at its very root. So when we believe in his promise of righteousness and we flee to Jesus Christ, remember, he, Christ, is Abraham's seed. And Abraham said he knew he was his seed. Remember Jesus said in Matthew eight fifty six. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Paul also confirms it in Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed, that is Christ. Abraham's seed is Christ. In other words, let me say it so plainly that no one hearing this today misses it. God never made a promise to a Jew as a Jew. Never, not once. That means dispensationalism is simply swept away. It is gone. All the promises, every one, God always made to Abraham's seed, singular, which is Christ. So if we're going to draw salvation, we've got to go to that well. Not to the well of circumcision, not to our ethnicity, not to our blood. We have to draw from the well of salvation found only in Abraham's seed, who is Christ. Abraham understood that. So God gave circumcision to him as a sign of that cleansing, cutting away the dominion of the filth of sin at its very root. Jesus said in John 3, 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. What does human generation, where does human generation come from? It at least requires the father's seed and the mother's egg, right? So by picking that mark, it was a sign which at the root of it, God was saying, I'm dealing with the fleshliness and beastliness and the corruption of your heart, Abraham, and all who come after you who embrace the promise, which is all done through Christ. And Abraham understood this. Now let's talk about baptism for a minute or two. Because baptism means the same thing in substance as circumcision. As a matter of fact, Scripture says two things about this. Turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Scripture even calls Christ a minister of circumcision. What does that mean? He never circumcised anyone. Listen to Romans 15, 8. Now I say that Jesus was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. How does he do this? Colossians 2. How is Christ a minister of circumcision? How does he bring the reality of it to us? Colossians 2 verse 11. In whom, that is Christ, you. Now for just a minute, who are the Colossians? Were they Jews? 
No, they were Gentiles. Now continuing in the verse, in whom you were also circumcised. Gentiles. In whom you were also circumcised. We were. We're not Jews. I just want you to understand this point. In whom you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, the reality that circumcision pointed to, that is how it was a sign, it was a physical mark, a physical rite. A sign that pointed to a greater spiritual reality. And that sign is now ours. When the Lord Jesus Christ, by his powerful spirit, cast our flesh away. As in verse 11 says, the body of the sins of the flesh are put off. Paul has another way of saying this in Romans chapter 6. Paul says he breaks the dominion of sin. He, Jesus, deals with all its filth, its guilt, its curse, its power by his own hand. This is circumcision, my friends, made without hands. And it is the true circumcision to which the sign of God gave to Abraham. Christ does it all. And what is the sign of it? Scripture says we are buried with him in baptism. The sign of this is union with Christ in baptism. So that what circumcision meant in the Old Testament, baptism means in the New Testament. Now let's think about this for a minute. Because whether we happen to be baptized today, or whether we were baptized 30 years ago, we should draw fresh encouragement from our baptism even at this very hour. And how are we to do this? By the way, we are supposed to do this. We're called to it. We're not supposed to just say, oh, here's my card. I'm a Christian. I was baptized. Baptism is a lot more significant than that. It is a sign that points to Christ casting away the bodies of sins of the flesh. His purging of us through his blood. The application of his blood to us by the Holy Spirit, which cleanses us and unites us to Christ our head. And therefore, with the whole church, all of God's people for all times, past, present, and future. You see, today we worship God with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob by faith. As we worship God today, we sit with John Calvin, and we sit with Martin Luther, and we sit with John Knox. You sit by faith with those in your family who have passed on before, who knew Christ, because we are all one with Christ our head. But this is enjoyed only by faith in the promise of God to that which baptism points us. Now what does baptism point us to? Cleansing in Christ's blood. We don't have any more bloody rites in the New Testament. We don't need them anymore. All the blood that ever needs to be spilled for our sins has been spilt. Christ offered himself once for all. But by faith, 
When we embrace the promise of God like Abraham did, we see the true point of baptism and we receive the true strength of baptism's cleansing, which is our union with Christ and our fellowship with his church. Now, Paul also says that circumcision is not just a sign, but it is a seal. This is like in the old days when someone would write a letter. That the way the sender revealed to the recipient who had sent the letter was by a seal. Like a king, for instance, he would roll up his letter and then he would put a wax seal on it. And then he would imprint, make an imprint of the king's ring on it. That way, whoever got this letter would know by the seal that the letter was really from the king. Paul says that is what circumcision was. Now listen, we're in deep waters here. Circumcision is both a sign and a seal. And that seal is an explanatory phrase in Greek. Circumcision is also a seal by which God says, I really mean it. When you look to the promise, Abraham, when you remember my promise that I made to you 14 years ago of the seed that would make you righteous, when you look at that promise and you believe it, this sign of circum is also a seal that I am giving you the spiritual reality that it signifies. So it is not just an external ordinance. It is an inner means of grace. And a seal that God performs in our hearts to say, I mean my covenant promises. I know your faith is weak. I know you need encouragement. And I know it is through many tribulations that you must enter my kingdom, Abraham. So I'm giving you this seal. Here is my signet ring. As true as I am. That is how certain my promise is that your seed is coming and he will make you righteous. So keep believing the promise. Keep trusting what God has said. And when you doubt and when you struggle, remember your circumcision or for us, our baptism. Remember, it never made you righteous, Abraham. Remember, I gave it to you to confirm a righteousness that I had already given to you when you embraced my promise all those years ago. Now, this is a precious truth for baptism and for the Lord's Supper because it applies to all of these. When we see baptism and we see the outward sign of the application of water in the name of the triune God by a lawfully ordained minister of the gospel, are we just to say, boy... I hope such and such gets up here quick and mops up that water off the floor. Oh, I wonder, is that water cold? Is that what we're supposed to do? Is that what we're supposed to think? Is that all you do? Baptism for you will mean about as much as circumcision meant to the Jews, which was nothing. It actually became a curse to them. Because they were mesmerized by the outward sign and then vainly trusted in something that had no power at all. When we see the water of baptism, what are we to think? The blood of Christ is my cleansing. I am right with God through union with him. Through his obedience, I am made righteous. 
But also baptism is not just a sign, it is a seal. When God allows us to witness a baptism, he is telling us. He really means it. He says, I have given you this mark because I know you are weak in in your body and soul and you need a total confirmation. So remember that just as really and truly as that person who is baptized is wet, so really and truly when you believe in my promise, you are cleansed from your sins through the blood of my son. So baptism preaches to us. We're supposed to listen to that like a sermon because it is God swearing by his own name. I really mean it. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.